Good evening. How are you guys doing? Hey, I'm going to ask you, I want to start out with asking you guys a question, uh, actually a few questions first, okay? So what would your relationships look like? What would your life look like? But what would our relationships, we'll say it that way, what would our relationships look like if these three things were happening? We were helping and pushing our friends or our peers toward being the best version of themselves, more so than the best, more so than the version that we want them to be. What would our relationships look like if we were pushing our friends toward being the best version of themselves and not the version that we want them to be? Second question is this, um, what if we protected the opposite sex? What if we protected the opposite sex and said, instead of saying, how far can I go? And say, how much can I honor them? And my last question is this, are you defending, well, not sorry, but um, what would it look like if we defended others that were being talked about when they couldn't defend themselves? What would it look like if we stopped the gossip? Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for... um, coming to this earth so that you can redeem the relationships that we have. Lord, you've done such an incredible work, and I pray that you would help us uh, to begin tonight through um, this talk and through our times in our discipleship groups, Lord God, to uh, begin to understand, to be even more grateful um, for what you have done. And Lord, I pray, like what um, Jeff said this morning, God, that you would help us to bow our knee to you and say, Jesus, I need you. Father, I pray you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so a sign of a healthy relationship, a sign of a healthy relationship is this. It's a relationship in which you are known and others, uh, and you are known while knowing others, and the truth of who God has made you is able to be cultivated. I'll say that again. A sign of a healthy relationship is a relationship in which you are known while being you are known while knowing others, and the truth of who God has made you is able to be cultivated. Man, one of the, the best friends I've ever had in my entire life. I talked about this briefly um, at length a couple weeks ago on Valentine's Day. Um, but one of my best friends ever, period, was my friend Philip Cotsford. Um, we were Man, I'm trying to think of the, the honestly, it was almost like a grown-up version of, of Travis, Nolan, and I. Like, you know, how tall I am and how not quite as tall Travis is. He's not short. He's just not t- as tall as I am. But we kind of look the same. So imagine, <clears throat> imagine Davon as a five-year-old, so probably about this tall. No, um, here-ish, and then Philip, who's about right here. And we were just like, we hung out all the time, all the time. And we were best friends from kindergarten through about midway through um, middle school. And it, we didn't stop being friends because we didn't like each other or anything like that. It's just, y'all, y'all are in middle school. You know, things just get, things happen. Like your friendships change, you begin to branch off, people move, all those different things. And that's what happened with us. We stopped, our friendships stopped just because we were living, beginning to live different kinds of lives, having different interests and things like that. But man, I'd say, especially once we got into like third grade, we would spend probably 20 of the 52 uh, Sundays a year, we were at each other's house. Um, We got to know each other through church. 
Um, our parents were good friends. And so um, way, 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 well, I'm not say way, way, I'm not that old, shoot, please. Back in the day, just a few years ago, um, you used to go to church early in the morning, and then you would do all the things. You have Sunday school. You have Sunday school. You don't even know what that is anymore. But you would do Sunday school, and then you would go home for a couple hours, and you'd come back around 5.30 or 6, somewhere around there, and you'd stay until about 8 o'clock. And that's what we did. Man, I did that from birth until, shoot, college, something like that. I mean, you parents in the room, you grownups, those who are older than 35 years old, for sure, are like, mm-hmm, yep. And so we did that all the time. So I would go to his house or he'd come to my house. I remember there was one Sunday, um, we were, it was in South Carolina, and so there wasn't much snow, but there would always be ice. It's kind of like here. And they had these big puddles, and it had rained a couple days before, and then it just froze. And so we were standing outside the church, and we're running. We're kind of just sliding across the ground and getting soaked because we kept falling and everything like that. My parents piled us into their minivan, and we had this awesome, not really, Toyota van. It was 1985 Toyota van, so they looked like a blue Tic Tac. Um, and so you would, the motor wasn't in the front. It was actually behind the seats. I don't know how safe that was, but whatever. Um, but it was behind the seats. I actually drove that car my senior year in high school, and it, it broke down in the parking lot. And it's a whole other story that's really embarrassing. Um, but anyway, man, I hate that car. Anyway, so but we, would, we were soaking wet. Our butts were wet. And so my parents were like, hey, just sit on the, um, just sit on the motor on the way home. So we drove 15 miles home, sitting on the motor, so at least our butts would be dry by the time we got home. Now, some of you are thinking, like, well, that is not the safest thing. Well, maybe my parents didn't love you as much as I thought they did. Who knows? We were just tough. We were just tough back in the days. You, you rode without bicycle helmets. It was like, look, you go to that side of the neighborhood without a cell phone. Don't talk to me until you get home. That's how things work. It got dark. You had to be home. Anyway, my friend Philip. So we, we lost contact for years, and it was probably... Um, about six months ago that I found him on Instagram, and we just kind of throw something out here or there, whatever like that. But after giving the message this past, uh, this past link, I just shot, gave him a little shout-out and just said, we can throw it up here on the screen. And I just said, Philip, thanks. By the way, I was preaching a message on relationships and friendships last night, and you were one of the few that came up when I talked about some of the best friends I've had in my life. Thanks so much for being someone to help me grow up and be who I am today. I'm so grateful for you, bro. And the cue means nothing. I just got pickle fingers. So that's what happened there. Um, and he said, thanks for sharing, Davon. You and your family are a huge part of my childhood, and especially with small kids. Now I feel the importance of having good people around you from a young age. It's fun to see your kids growing up here, too. So he's actually in Japan. He's been there for the past eight years. He found his wife over there, and they just they have a son, two sons, one's three and one is one, but I think it's really cool that now 25 or so years later, we're still able to recognize the impact that we had on each other's lives because of the friendship that we had. We had a really healthy friendship. Did it mean we didn't argue? Of course not. Did it mean we didn't fight each other and things like that? No. But we were the best of friends, and in those years when I needed him the most, when I needed someone the most, God said, I'm going to put you in his, in Davon's life, so that Davon can have this relationship. Davon, I'm going to put Davon in Philip's life so they can have that best friendship that they need so they can be who they are today. And some of you in this room 
you can look around, um, in, whether they're in your D group or someone that's on the other side of the room, you can say, God, put that person in my life to help me. And I, have the, and I can see the signs of a healthy relationship because they are helping me feel known. Um, I know them and who I am, who God has created to me, to me to be, is being cultivated in that relationship. Um, in our curriculum, there's a, a story about one, uh, actually one of my friends named Chris wrote. Um, and it's a story about Chris who loved to put puzzles together when he was a kid. And uh, he was putting one of the puzzles together and he dropped a piece on the ground. Well, he had this pet that was a potbelly pig. Um, and so it falls on the ground. He said it comes in like a Hoover vacuum and sucks it up, puts it in his mouth and all that. And so he's like trying to pry the mouth open of this potbelly pig. And eventually it spits it out. And so he, he's almost done with the puzzle, and he has one piece left, and it's that one puzzle piece. And he looks at it, and it's wet and gross, really gross, I'm sure. And he says he puts it in, and it, it fits, but it's not perfect. It's not the way that it was supposed to be. It's not the way that it was meant to be. It's kind of warped. It's just not, it's not pristine. It's not like the other pieces were. And that's what has happened with our relationships. Our relationships don't look the way they're, that they're supposed to be because sin has marred those relationships. Sin has come into the world and has messed things up. Um, I'm going to read briefly from two, the chapter, chapter 2 in Genesis and chapter 3 in Genesis, but just to give a quick background, especially for chapter 3, the very first relationship was between God and mankind, between God and Adam. And that relationship was perfect. It was so close and it was so intimate that Adam knew what it sounded like for, uh, for God to walk through the garden. Think about that. I like to think of it this way. You may have heard me say this before, but if you're downstairs, if you have two levels on, in your home, and you hear your brother or your sister walking around, you're like, oh, that's who that is. You hear your parents, you can name who's walking around based on what it sounds like. Like my son Malachi, who's three. If it sounds like 3,000 steps a second, I know it's Malachi. If I know it's kind of like stomping like it's an elephant, then I know it's my oldest son, Jay. Um, you know, just, I could just pick it out. And so they understood, they knew what it sounded like for God, for God to be walking through the garden. So we see in Genesis 2, 21 through 23, it goes like this. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Closed up the opening. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone for my bone and flesh for my flesh. She will be called woman because she is taken from man. And then let's go to three. The woman was convinced. Again, this is just after, um, this is when Satan, the serpent, is, uh, is tempting Adam and Eve. At this moment, it says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. <clears throat> so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to them, called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? 
The man replied, it was the woman you gave me. Jeez, Adam, do better. Um, I'm not going to lie, Paul just said the same thing. Let's just be honest. If he had the perfect relationship with God and he blamed God, then we would all do the same. Let's just throw it out there. But I would too. Anyway, so we had a perfect, mankind had a perfect relationship with God. Again, they knew what it sounded like from the walk through the garden. They had a perfect relationship with other. He was like, what? She's amazing. She's awesome. She's part of me. It was a perfect fit, perfect relationship. The puzzle pieces went just the way that they were supposed to go in God's relationship with mankind and mankind with each other. Sin entered into the world and everything was broken. God created relationships for love and support and for purpose, to help us find who we are in him. Hey, um, Brad, don't worry about throwing the slides up there. We're good. We're going to kind of move through this fairly quickly to make sure they have plenty of time in their groups. But God created us to have, when I think of God creating relationships for love, I think of family. I think of the family relationship and the love that should be, that should be there when it's healthy. God created relationships for support, and I think of family, but also think of friends. Like the story that Jeff told this morning about the four guys that lowered their friend through the roof, man, that was incredible support. And God gives us those relationships. But also think of purpose. God created us to have a relationship with him and with his people so that we can discover and continue to discover the purpose that we have for our lives. So for support, for, um, for love, support, and for purpose. But when everything got broken, when sin came into the world, love and support turned to hiding, it turned to shame, it turned to blaming each other, even turned to him blaming God for the mistakes that he had made. Their purpose didn't change, <clears throat> which is to glorify God. But their purpose became hard. Their purpose became a struggle instead of joy. God put us in the, he put us in the garden. He said, cultivate the earth. He said, be fruitful and multiply. He said, make this even more beautiful than what I've already created it to be. Name the animals. He said all of these things for him to do. But when sin came into the world, it was broken. Instead of you walking down the street now and then a deer comes walking up to you and you pet it, it becomes more like me when I walk outside in the morning, I see a deer near my car and I'm like, nope, not today. I want nothing to do with antlers in my face, none of it. But again, everything was broken. The struggle used to be joy. Our, our purpose used to be a joy and now it's a struggle. <clears throat> but Jesus died. So the, so the relationships we have with God and the relationships that we have with each other can become the puzzle pieces that they were meant to be. So they're no longer warped. So that when we do have struggles in those relationships, we can ask for forgiveness from God and from each other and be reconciled to each other the way that God wants us to be. So that we can come and bow before him and say, Jesus, I need you to be in control of my life. And that puzzle piece between you and God can be what it was meant to be and fit together the way that it was supposed to. In case you don't believe me, think about it this way. Think about the friendships that you have. Think about the requirements that you have for for someone to be called your friend. Think about that for 10 seconds. The requirements that you have for someone to be your friend. Loyal, this, 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 and this. And then they ask you this question, which you see up there. Are you living up to those requirements? 
Are you holding someone else up to a higher standard than what you're currently living to be their friend? Leaders, take a picture of that. This is a good question, questions to ask in your group. I know I'm asking that in mine. And then I go to those last questions, the, the questions I asked in the very beginning, and I'll ask those again. And I'll say whether you're a believer or not, because I know not everyone in this room is a believer, so I know not everyone in this room, especially if you're not a believer, you're not going to be pointing your friends toward Jesus. You just, you can't. You don't know them. You can't truly push them and point them towards Jesus. But what would our relationships be like if this, and I'll ask them from here because it's a little different, but are we pointing others to Jesus so that they can be the best version of themselves or are they the best version that we want them to be? And there's a difference because they might say, hey, I want you to be this, this, and this, and all these things for me, but Jesus wants them to be like this instead. And so you're looking at it from the standpoint of what I can get out of the relationship instead of saying, what can I give to you to make you look toward the one who rescued me? Which one are you doing? And again, are you protecting the opposite sex? If you're in a dating relationship, which some of you are, are you asking the question, how can I honor them? Or are you asking the question, how far can we go? How far can we go? And then lastly, again, are you protecting the image of God in them and shutting down gossip? That's a huge one. The Bible talks about that quite a bit. Are you protecting people that God said, I've made you in my image, or are you continuing to allow them to be marred? Are you continuing to allow them to be talked about and broken even when they can't defend themselves? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for my friends that are here. Lord, I thank you for how you have created an opportunity, God, for us to one, know you and be reconciled with you. How you even give us a formula in multiple places throughout your word of how we need to reconcile with each other. If we have something against someone, then we should go to them and be reconciled with them. You talk about in the book of Acts of how people had all the things in common because of their love for you. God, may that be our goal. May it be to glorify you in the relationships that you've given us. May we bow the knee before you and say, Jesus, when I need you to be Lord and Savior of my life, and to go from there saying, Jesus, I need you to be Lord of my life and in the relationships that I'm in so that I can be pointing those you've placed in my life back toward you. In Jesus' name, amen.